We're going to be focusing on the idea of a deeper, a deeper approach to life. Deeper love, deeper knowledge, deeper faith, deeper hope, deeper reverence, most assuredly a deeper awareness of where we are at in life. I want to invite your attention to 2 Timothy 4 this morning and have our Bibles open there. Verses 9 to 18. These are the last words of the Apostle Paul. God does not want us to live in shallow ground. He doesn't want us to have a superficial faith. He wants us to grow and He wants us to become deeper in all the aspects of what we are trying to do. You recall Jesus in Matthew 13, 20 and 21 and the discussion of the parable of the seed. He said those that fall on rocky ground or those that have a rocky ground sort of heart. He said these are the ones that that received the word with joy. But they have no root in them. And so they only endure for a little time. Jesus warns against having a shallow sort of existence. A tremendous verse is presented to us in Colossians 2 and verse 7. Colossians 2 and verse 7. Where Paul says we ought to be rooted, built up in Christ, established in the faith as we have been taught, and always abounding in thanksgiving. So our thoughts this morning will be toward a deeper sort of approach to living for Christ. Looking here in 2 Timothy 4, I want us to answer... The question of why. Why seek this deeper level of faith? Paul helps us with this in his experiences as he approaches the end of his life. And we have here some of his last words. So why do we need this deeper faith? First, because life is difficult. Life is often very much unfair. Life is difficult. Here we find the Apostle Paul in a cold, dark, damp dungeon. It would be hard to find a more righteous person at this time in the history of the church. But we find Paul here, though righteous, though godly, though fervent in spirit, yet here he is, he is in this This awful condition. He is doing the greatest work that man can ever do. But he's in one of the worst places on earth at that time. In Rome. In this dungeon. And he is telling people about the greatest person. The Lord Jesus. But he is suffering underneath the heavy hand of some of the more notorious 
awful evil people in history there in Rome. So life is difficult. That's why we need a deeper faith because life is sometimes just difficult. Job 14, 1 and 2, we read that man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. There's a part of us that wishes that was opposite. That was totally reversed. We wish it could read man is of many days and little trouble. But we know that's not the reality. Even if you do not see trouble personally... You ought to have a heart that sympathizes with those who do have trouble. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 4, Paul mentions this tent that we live in, this tabernacle, this tent. Our body is but a tent that houses our real self, our soul, our spirit. He says, being in this tent, we groan. And we are burdened. We need this deeper faith because life is difficult. And here Paul here, he's in, he's in Rome, he's 2 Timothy 4. Notice he's asking for different things to be brought to him like a cloak, books and parchments and so forth. But he does not expect, he does not expect a supernatural occurrence in his life. You see, those of us who live for Christ, Christians, we are not exempt from the hardships of life. We're not exempt from the common distress of life. Paul does not expect some supernatural source of heat to be brought to him. Rather, he's asking Timothy to be sure to bring the cloak that was left, this cape that was left in Troas. He does not expect... A supernatural deliverance. He does expect, if you look at verse 18, to to eventually be delivered into the eternal kingdom. Once he leaves this life, to be delivered into the eternal kingdom, that upper and better kingdom. But he does not expect God to do anything special for him. He understands that life uh, is difficult. Paul has a deep faith. We also need a deeper sense of of faith because persecution is real. Not only because life is difficult, but because persecution is real. It is real. Notice that Paul has left his cloak in Troas. This indicates to us that most likely he had to leave in a hurry. That they were after him again. That he didn't have a time or opportunity to get his necessities, he just had to leave in a hurry. This, to me, indicates persecution once again. Paul was accustomed to having to fly by night. He was accustomed to having to leave in a hurry. They were always after him. It started very early. Back in Acts 9, 23 to 25, he's preaching Jesus as the Son of God right there in the synagogues of, of Damascus, but... They pressed upon him to where the brethren had to, by night, they let him down through the city wall in a, in a hamper, in a, in a basket, and uh, helped him escape for his life. It's Acts 9, 23-25. Acts 17, verse 10, we see 
that the brethren also helped Paul there escape under the protection of that as he escaped Thessalonica and went on into Berea. In Acts chapter 23, Paul had been detained by some of the Roman officials because of his preaching and the crowd was stirring up. The Jewish people were stirring people up against Paul. So the the Romans, um, just to save Paul's life, really keep him from being torn apart, they detained him. Uh, Paul's nephew there in Acts 23, he comes to Paul and to the Roman officials and said there is a plot being made against Paul. The Jews are going to pretend to call Paul down to further question him, but there are 40 men who have... Um, who have made a pledge that they will neither eat nor drink until they have killed Paul. Now, how, how would you like to be in Paul's situation? And so they heard of this plot, and so the Roman officials quickly got 200 soldiers together and helped Paul to escape by night again from uh, Jerusalem to Caesarea, under, now under the custody of Felix. There in Acts 23, Paul was accustomed to persecution. He needed a deeper faith because persecution is real. It's going to be real for us too. At the very least, if, if we have any faith in Christ, we will be mocked. We will be mocked. We will be, we will be belittled. And if we're bold in our faith, more things than that will happen to us. But the very profession of our faith will cause us to be belittled by other people. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, you're familiar that Paul says, All who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer uh, persecution. Jesus mentions uh, these very things in John 15, beginning in verse 18. John 15, beginning in verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Then John 15, 19. If you were of the world, the world would love you. Now let that be a warning to you, okay? If, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. John 15, verse 20. Remember the word that I have said to you, a servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And so we need a deeper sort of faith deeper sort of reverence and love and commitment because persecution is real. Here's the good thing about persecution. Persecution draws us close to Christ. They persecuted Christ. If we're close to Him, they're going to persecute us. Paul even said in Philippians 3 and verse 10 that he wanted to know the fellowship of, of the sufferings of Jesus. He wanted to know, he wanted to experience, is what he's saying, the very sufferings, the type of sufferings that Christ went through. He wanted to be that close to Christ. Paul puts us to shame. The good thing about persecution, it draws us close to Christ, but also the good thing about persecution is that it brings glory to Christ. It brings glory to Christ. We have studied over the last couple of sessions on Wednesday, Wednesday nights in 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4, 16 says, If any man suffers as a Christian, let him, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this name. 
when we are willing to suffer for Christ, then that shows how that living for Christ is of a superior mindset. It's a superior quality than anything the world has to offer. If someone is willing to suffer for a cause, then people stand up and take notice and it draws them toward the Word of God. It draws them to the truth. If nothing else, it, asks, it causes them to ask, what is it that these people are standing for? What is it that they're willing to die for? What is it they're willing to put their lives on the line for? And so it draws us close to Jesus. It brings glory to Jesus. Acts chapter 5, you remember 40 to 42, that they beat, they whipped Peter and John. And they went, after that whipping, they released them. But after that whipping, Peter and John rejoiced that they had been counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. I'll tell you this about persecution. Jesus promises us in Matthew 5, 11, and 12 that if we're willing to suffer for him, we can rejoice and be exceeding glad. Matthew 5, verse 12. We can rejoice and be exceeding glad because great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted the prophets which were before you. Hmm. So we need this deeper sense of faith and commitment because persecution is real. It's real. And then we need this deeper sense of faith because commitment and sacrifice, I would say sacrifice. Sacrifice is so fundamental, so basic to our serving Jesus. So we need this deeper sense of faith because sacrifice, sacrifice is so basic to all that we are. Think about Paul here, going back to 2 Timothy 4. Think about Paul. He's asking for his cloak, his cape, that would serve not just a coat, but for his blanket at night. He's asking for, for that to be brought to him. He's way over here in Rome. It's been left in Troas, about a thousand miles away. The only coat that Paul owns is about a thousand miles away. But Paul often gave up or was willing to give up things that he could have possessed in order to advance the cause of Jesus. He did this all the time. He was willing to go without in order to advance the gospel of Jesus. You might recall what he says in 2 Corinthians 12 and 15. He said, I will gladly spend and be spent for the, the sake of your souls. And if you don't have that underlined in your Bible, then it's time to get that underlined. I think that is 2 Corinthians 12 and 15. And then add to that 2 Corinthians 11. You remember a list of things that Paul had undergone. He lists those for us in, in 2 Corinthians 11, 24 to 27. And he said in verse 27 of 2 Corinthians 11, he said, Oftentimes I've been in hardship and toil. I've had many a sleepless night. In hunger and thirst, and oftentimes without food, cold and nakedness. Hunger and thirst, cold and nakedness, Paul had been in. He was more than willing to give those things up 
if it meant that the cause of Jesus would be uh, advanced. And so that's why we need a great, greater sense, deeper sense of faith, is because sacrifice is so fundamental, so very fundamental to all that we are. In Philippians 4, 11 through 13, Paul said, I know how to abound. He says, I've been blessed, but I also know what it is to be in want, to be in need. Sacrifice. And you read this in 2 Timothy 4, and you don't see a smidgen of complaint from Paul. He's not complaining about this. He's just simply stating where he's at and what he needs. He's not complaining. And we need to make comparisons between these Bible people like Paul and our own mindset. How that sometimes the most inconsequential things are taken away from us and we are ready to panic. And so this morning for our lesson part, I wanted us to focus on a deeper sense of faith, a, a deeper sense, a deeper approach to life. And I want us to ask ourselves, why do we need that? Here in 2 Timothy 4, Paul begins to answer that. And we'll, we'll expand on this here in just a minute. But let's go ahead and have our next song, Brother Ben. Maybe number 301, number 301.
life is difficult and persecution is real and because sacrifice is so fundamental uh, to all that we are. Another reason we need this deeper sense of faith is because of people. Because of people. People are interesting. People are funny in a good way and a bad way. People are entertaining sometimes. People are people. Because of people, we need a deeper sense of faith. On the one hand, think about Paul's situation here in 2 Timothy 4 and ask yourself, where are the Christians in Rome? Where are they at? Paul's having to ask for his basic needs from far away. Where are the Christians in Rome? They're there. Don't they understand his needs? You know, Galatians six seventeen, Paul says, I bear in my very body the marks of Jesus. If you do very much reading, you'll see that Paul, he underwent a lot of beatings, stonings, whippings for Christ. Okay. He bore literally in his body the marks of Jesus. He needed especially... As the winter months approached, he would need covering for his body. Where are the brethren in Rome? Where are they at? On the one hand, ask yourself that question. Where are they at? People can really disappoint sometimes. It's interesting, you turn back to Acts 28 and verse 15, you see that way back when Paul first came to Rome, when he first came to Rome, through the shipwreck and everything, he first came to Rome. The brethren from Rome came out and greeted him and really just rolled out the red carpet for him. And he, they, they thanked God and took courage because Paul had come to Rome. They were thankful for his work. But what about now? What has happened now? What's happening now? 
Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 12, that because of iniquity, love can grow cold. Love can grow cold. Has their love for the truth, love for Paul, love for each other, has it grown cold now? Has it grown cold? Paul had a similar experience as he wrote to the brethren in the areas of Galatia. He asked in Galatians 4, 15 and 16, he said, Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Have I become? He said at one time, he said to the Galatians, one time you would have plucked your very eyes out from me and given them to me. He says, now have I become your enemy because I keep on telling you the truth? So love can grow cold. People can get worldly. Right here in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 10, Paul says that, that Demas has left them having fallen in love with this world. That's what he says. He says that um, Demas has left them. He has, he has been um, seduced by Satan's ways. That's what happens to people. The love grows cold. The world takes over. The worldly ways takes over. And because of this, we need a deeper, deeper faith. I'll tell you another thing on the negative side of people is that... Some are many. You just fill in the blanks. Some, some are just downright mean. Just mean. When you go over to Philippians 1.17, you read that, that Paul understood that some brethren were glad that he was in, in prison. In fact, they sought ways to, to make his affliction worse while he was in prison. Some are just downright mean, cold, cold. They could care less. They're all about themselves. And so therefore they are careless and calculated and just mean. Just mean. Right here in 2 Timothy 4, around verse 14, mentions a man by the name of Alexander who, who sought to do him much harm. Much harm. In 2 Timothy 4 here in verse 16, he said, All men forsook me. At my last defense, all men forsook me. No man stood with me, but the Lord stood by me. If we don't believe, people can be evil. Don't ever, don't ever underestimate the evil that is possible with men. We're, we're approaching uh, yeah we're we're approaching 50 years of abortion of legal abortion in this country 50 years millions and millions upon young children dying and as a country we do nothing about it it ought to be outlawed immediately we're not a nation of laws. We're a nation of political will. If you don't think people can be just downright cold, calculated, mean, just look around. Because of that, we need a deeper 
faith. So on the one hand, look at Paul's situation, but on the other hand, look at this. Look at the fact that Paul says here in 2 Timothy 4 that Luke is with him. Luke, the beloved physician, he is with him. And remember also that Timothy is coming. As soon as Timothy can get there, he's going to come. Also, when Timothy comes, he's going to bring John Mark uh, with him. There's a man by the name of Carpus who has possession of, of Paul's important cloak that he desires. And he's, he's going to get with Timothy. And they're going to make sure the cloak is brought and the books and the parchments that they are brought. If you look over here in 2 Timothy 1, 15 and 18, Paul mentions a man by the name of Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus had come to Rome and he had diligently sought out Paul so that he could refresh and encourage him. Okay. So it wasn't all doomsday when it came to people. There were many good people, but because of both good people and evil people, we need a deeper sense of faith. We need a deeper faith so that we can encourage those who are the golden ones, who are true to the word. We need a deeper sense of faith because we need to stand strong in the face of evil people as well. God doesn't want us to be soured on people totally. He wants us to have a realistic approach, of course, but He also wants us to be able to find the good in everybody. We are to be a lover of that which is good, according to Titus 1, 7 and 8. But to do that is to have a deeper and deeper sense of faith in our Lord. When Paul was in Corinth, we read about it in Acts 18, 8, 8 to 10, Acts 18, 8 to 10, Paul has become discouraged because there was a lot of evil in Corinth, but, but the Lord appeared to him and said, now, I have many people, I'm with you, and I have many people in this city. Even in the city of Corinth, where there was rampant idolatry and fornication, I have many people here. Many people here. So the Lord, we ask Him to give us a deeper sense of faith so we can stand against that which is evil and then we can help inspire those who are still walking the paths of righteousness. So because of people, we need a deeper sense of faith. But also because of God Himself. We want a deeper sense of faith because we don't want to disappoint God who really does care about us. God is a God of details. It's interesting that He incorporates these, what could be called minor details, into the sacred pages of the New Testament. Talking about the details of Paul needing some some paper, he needs some books, he needs some extra clothing, he needs some friends to, to make their way as soon as possible uh, to him. He's commenting on various people of the kingdom. And God is careful to make sure this is in, in the pages of Scripture. I think he's telling us that he cares about what's going on in our lives. Jesus does tell us in Matthew 10 and 29 that, that God observes even when a sparrow falls from the sky to the ground, God knows about that. So God is very much 
informed, very much aware of every little thing that goes through our minds and might enter into our hearts and our lives as well. God cares. Therefore, we don't need to let him down. Therefore, we need to grow deeper in our faith. As we grow deeper in our faith, we don't need to let go of the fact that God is so good. He is good. He has expressed that goodness in so many ways. For example, He gives us blessings. He gives us blessings. James 1.17 says, Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness nor shadow that is cast by turning. God gives. Acts 14.17, He has not left Himself without witness in that He's given us food and, and gladness and fruitful seasons. God blesses. We see His goodness from His blessings. We see His goodness in that He has revealed Himself to us. We can look on upon the world. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. God has revealed Himself to a certain degree in, in the world, in nature, in, in His creation. But also, especially, he has given us this book. This book. I love what Paul says in Acts 20 and verse 32 to the elders at Ephesus. He said, Now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. He has given us the word of his grace. He has not left us in darkness. God is good because he has sent his son. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 and verse 8. So we don't want to let God down. He cares so much. Therefore, we need to grow deeper in faith. And then I want to give another reason why we need to have this deeper sense of commitment and faith. And that's because we want to be like Paul in his unwavering spirit. He has very much a a no-quit, an unwavering spirit. If we're going to have that, which we desperately need, then we've got to grow deeper in our, in our faith. You see, he's asking for the books. This could be a number of things or both. He's asking for books to be brought to him. Uh, the same word for a book here in 2 Timothy 4 is also used in Luke 4. When Jesus came to his hometown of, of Nazareth and he went to a synagogue and they handed him a book. They handed him scripture. So it could be that Paul was asking for, for parchments or for um, books, portions of books of Scripture to be brought to him. And that would tell us that he was never going to become lazy. He was never going to become dormant in his pursuit of God's knowledge. He would always be studying all the way to the very end. And he would be seeking things to study so that he could share with other people. The books also could refer to legal documents. Jesus mentions this in his discussion of marriage and divorce in Matthew 19, 7 and 8. The same word is used for book as used in 2 Timothy 4. So Paul could be asking them to bring some legal documents that might help secure his release from this dungeon. And that would show us his, his never quit spirit because the reason he'd want to be released, of course, is to be able to keep on carrying on, keep on uh, sharing the message as he has been doing. 
he would go back and do the very thing that brought him to the dungeon in the first place, and he would be more than glad to do that. And for us to have this no-quit, this, this spirit that cannot be conquered, we've got to have deeper faith. He said, bring the books and the parchments. These parchments are probably things he could write upon to further instruct or further encourage his brethren. This is, this is Paul. This was Paul, never selfish, always about other people, trying to encourage all the way, yes, all the way down to the very end. He would never, ever quit. One of the preachers in, in my area as I was growing up in Jasper was Flavel Nichols. Flavel tells about a time when his father, Gus, passed away. And before he passed away, Brother Gus had a, had a stroke on one side of his body. It happened to be the, side, the right side of his body, the, his right hand, his right arm. He couldn't move them. It was uh, so Flavel said he went in to see his dad at the hospital and first time after he'd had this stroke on the right side and he said Gus opened up his eyes and looked to him and he said he said son I've got to learn to write with my left hand now I've got to learn to write with my left hand my right hand won't move he was serious as a heart attack because that's that was his spirit and that's Paul's spirit and for us to have this kind of this never quit spirit, we've got to grow deeper in our faith. And so we could go further. I wanted to illustrate the need for a deeper approach to life. I believe Paul helps us with this here in Second Timothy 4. There's a great encouragement from God for us to be uh, in this manner. We're going to sing a song of encouragement now. Brother Ben, what's your song of encouragement? Six hundred and five. Bring Christ your broken life. He is the only one. You know the reason that that life does have distresses is because of sin. And the reason Jesus came to this earth was to show us how to live, but also to make the great sacrifice for our sins. If we can assist you in any way, will you please make that known right now as we stand together, as we sing, "Bring Christ your broken life."